Welcome to this podcast from St. Michael and All Angels Episcopal Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We hope you consider hitting like or subscribe. We hope you will share this audio with your friends and neighbors, help others know about our inclusive, theologically progressive community of faith. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can make a gift at stmichaelsabq.org. In the name of our loving, liberating, life-giving God, amen. Please be seated. Pay attention to the transitions. In my early days of preaching, that was a piece of advice that my mentor rector gave me. He was talking about writing sermons. And usually a preacher has two or three salient points to make in a sermon. And the difference between an artful piece of writing and preaching and a wandering mess, it largely depends on what happens in between the points. Pay attention to the transitions. Transitions matter, and not just in preaching. Moses and the people of Israel find themselves in a moment of transition. Our reading today comes from the last chapters of Deuteronomy. Moses is preparing the people because he knows he can't cross over the Jordan with them. His time has come. Another prophet is on the way. Jesus and the disciples are also in a moment of transition, but sort of the opposite end of the spectrum. This is the first time the disciples have heard as Jesus works a crowd. The first time they've witnessed his public teaching and healing, and they are astonished, the Bible tells us, astonished. The word in Greek includes a bit of fear. Jesus and his disciples are at the beginning of something new, something powerful, and they are afraid. There's some shock. Moments of transition can be moments of anxiety. Anxiety is there in part because we know that there is power in the pivot. There is a chance to make meaningful choices. Pay attention to the transitions. I know I say that in the midst of a congregation that has been on a journey of transition these last two years. In the Episcopal Church, we have come to use the euphemism transition ministry for the process of saying goodbye to one rector and searching for discerning and calling a new rector. The journey of transition in this sense began almost exactly two years ago when my predecessor, Joe Britton, announced to the congregation he planned to retire. I anticipate that this transition time is not quite done. We'll be at this a little while longer as we grow to know one another, as we settle into new patterns. So if you're still feeling a little anxious, that's okay. If you're not yet sure, it's okay. But I hope we can start to lean into the possibilities more than the anxieties. Your vestry and I have begun a piece of that work. This sermon serves as my comments for the annual meeting, the sort of state of the church address at the meeting that we will all stay right here for uh, at the end of our service. And I want to tell you a little bit about the work that your vestry has begun. It is work that you all have participated in from the get-go. We, a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday morning, your vestry graciously offered a whole morning, and we spent time together talking about the stories that we've heard. 
across the two years of discernment, across the first months of my time as rector, you intentionally gathered to tell stories, to talk about what is meaningful in this place. And your vestry gathered to retell those stories and to begin to name what in them they hear that might be called our shared values as a congregation. I anticipate in the coming months that we'll bring a report back to the congregation about the values that we have identified, naming our sense of call and mission together. I think this work is important in part because all of that work of discernment and transition, it really wasn't about me. It wasn't about Joe Britton. It wasn't just about calling one priest. In truth, I felt called to join you in ministry because the work of discernment that you had done together named a direction I felt called to walk with you. So in truth, we're still wayfinding, but I hope that in these next months, as the transition continues, there's a flavor of possibility and adventure that is beginning to develop. When Joe Britton announced his departure as rector in 2022, we have to acknowledge we were already in the midst of a transition. We were two years into the COVID-19 pandemic, and all of us have had complicated lives since 2020, haven't we? And that's been particularly true for the life of the church. How we gather, where we gather, how we do things virtually, it all shifted. And my remarks at the annual meeting, in just a few moments, I'm going to spend a great deal of time thanking people. St. Michael's has been blessed by an incredible team of clergy and lay leaders. And even with the steadiness of the team here, in the midst of this transition, in the midst of all the pandemic changes, all the staff changes in life, there's developed a bit of a sense of precarity. I know some of us feel that edginess in the church. I know my predecessor Joe felt it even before he told you he was going to retire. In his last sermon and address to the annual meeting, Joe talked about Harvey Cox's idea that we are at an axial moment in the life of the church, a turning point. In this, he said that there was a 1,700-year period that Cox called the age of belief that was coming to an end. And we've all seen the statistics showing a sharp decline in church attendance not just in our denomination, but in the Catholic and even the so-called megachurches, attendance is down. And many of us have a sense of the change here at St. Michael's, not because of this service, because frankly, the nine o'clock service is packed. We are a rare exception, right? But because so many of us have the experience of our kids or our grandkids not worshiping with us, not worshiping at all. We are at a turning point in the life of what it means to be church. And to be honest, I think the verdict is still out about what church will look like on Sunday morning in another five years or ten. And St. Michael's has not yet returned to the same level of attendance overall that we saw in 2019, let alone 2009. But I also want to caution 
I don't know that those numbers tell the full story. I think those numbers are a little bit slippery. And if we get too focused on just how many people are in church on Sunday morning, we, we risk a little bit of what St. Paul is talking about in that long section of Corinthians about idolatry. We risk measuring the wrong thing. See, the pandemic and the ability to worship online sped up what has, was already shifting in the church. There are more people that worship every other Sunday or ever, every third Sunday than there have been in generations past. It's just true. I'm not sure what worship life will look like fully five or ten years from now, but when I look at the numbers at St. Michael's, I get a sense that we are actually growing as a congregation. We're growing. Let me say a word or two about that. Even in this year of transition, we baptized more people than we buried. We confirmed and received a big pack of folks too, one of whom is running for vestry. This year, we experienced the highest pledging on record at St. Michael's, and among pledgers who were able to increase their gift, their increase was around 19%. Those numbers tell me there's a high degree of investment and there's something going on for growth. But let me talk about numbers that don't just puff up but that have to do with building up. Let me tell you about some numbers that make me even more encouraged. This summer, I can't remember if it was my first Sunday or my second Sunday, but Jake climbed up here to this lectern and made an announcement that we had growing numbers at our food pantry and we needed some more volunteers. And I gotta admit, I was a little bit nervous in my first couple of days about what would happen in the food ministry, but I didn't need to be. Because just a few weeks later, Jake came to my office and said, Mike, you gotta stop running the announcement about needing more volunteers. We've got more people than we need at this point. Also, in that period of time, when folks were paying close attention to what was going on in the food pantry, we received monetary gifts that helped expand the food that we were able to give to folks. Earlier this month, I asked people to come up to Santa Fe with some of our partners in immigration ministry to lobby to end immigrant detention in New Mexico. By my count, almost 30 of you made the drive up to make your voices heard, and that was on a slushy Santa Fe Thursday morning. You showed up because you have a sense that our faith is connected to the work of building justice. More weeks than not, the leaders of our contemplative prayer gatherings on Thursday mornings, they let us know that someone new has come to find a space for stillness and to explore spirituality more deeply. When I recently asked some of our musicians about whether we could expand that contemplative offering with a Lenten evening service a couple of times, we had enough volunteers not just to offer that space twice during Lent, but every week. You continue to surprise me with your willingness to show up, to reach out, to enliven. So when I look at the future of St. Michael's, I don't see us writing a story of slow and steady decline. I see a congregation that has been growing growing in depth of connection to our neighbors, growing in our practices of spirituality, growing in our connection to one another and to God. 
I see a community that is willing to challenge themselves to care for the unhoused, for the immigrant, for the stranger. I see a congregation that is willing to go out of our way to say, this is a place you are welcome. Even if you haven't been welcome in other churches, especially if you haven't been welcome in other churches, you are welcome here. When I look at the future of St. Michael's, I see possibility. And I have a sense that here in Albuquerque, more people are looking for a place of spiritual practice, of authentic community. More people are looking for a place where they can come together and make a loving difference in our world. In these transitional days, and these are transitional days not just for the church, but for the country, for the state of our world, I think we have work to do to invite people to know us and to know this way of love, this way of Jesus that we hope to follow together. We are still in a time of transition in the church. If Joe and Harvey Cox are right, if the statistics generally point the way that we think they do, we are likely to be in transition with what it means to be a person of faith for a while. And I plan to be with you through much of that transition period. I'm eager to join you in the work as your priest, in part because in St. Michael's, I see a church with more imagination than nostalgia. I see a congregation willing to lean into the work of transition, eager to imagine new ways of inviting our neighbor into building beloved community. Transitions are times which may feel precarious. Moments of big change are liminal. They are threshold places where we know that we have stepped out of the familiar. And that can be scary. But transitions are also moments when we can make what may seem like small decisions, but which will determine whether we up in, end up in Chicago or Chimayo. In the transition points, we also choose how we will travel. Will we grumble our way into the promised land? Or will we choose to find joy and wonder and adventure? Transitions are times when our vulnerability might even allow the Spirit of God to break through our usual limitations. In church, in life, pay attention to the transitions. Our readings today, yes, they contain some anxiety, but there's also an energy, isn't there? Jesus and Moses are eager for the people to know God is doing something new. Pay attention to the transitions, because in the times of transition, God has a way of breaking through. Amen.